0: You're listening to Team
1: Talk on ESPN Radio, 101.7 The Team. Sam Hauser, I'm Joe O'Neill. Uh, thanks to BJ reigns and David Swope for joining us in the first hour. It's the second hour, which means it's 5 o'clock, which means it's the time we normally do Top 5. Will you please take it away, Sam Hauser?
0: Initialize sequence
1: now. Bye. It's time for the Hinkle Law
0: Offices Top 5. Hinkle Law Offices representing motorcycle riders across New Mexico since 1990. Visit HinkleLawOffices.com. Take it away,
1: Sam Hauser.
0: Alright, getting us started. Of course, number five, it's always who's in, who's out. And as we start with who is in, we had some afternoon basketball earlier today. Lobo women playing a noon tip-off game at San Jose State. Not the most efficient game for UNM today, but all that matters is they got it done 65-54. to Lobo's win at San Jose State, their fifth in a row, the longest win streak in the Mountain West, and that key continues to be the 54 points. Lobos already had the number four scoring defense in the conference, and that'll get even better after this smothering defensive performance tonight. Tough day shooting for San Jose State. Lobos get four players in double figures. Nia Wilson leading the way
1: with 14. So, you, I think it was yesterday, the day before, you look back on, like, th- this season with the success to this point through January for both the men and women is has been a few years removed uh, from having this kind of success. Yeah, it was the
0: 2004-2005 season,
1: the last time they had mirroring four-game win streaks at the same time. Right, and now the Lobo women have moved it to five, uh, and in case people... Uh, Hadn't noticed those Lobo women are now seven and two overall and sixteen. Uh, excuse me, seven and two in Mountain West play, sixteen and six overall. And really, I think if you're going to point to one thing this season, that kind of really. You know, m- turn the switch for the Lobo women was that win at UNLV, and now they're going to have UNLV coming in on Saturday, two o'clock.
0: Yep, Saturday, two o'clock, we get the rematch with UNLV. Should the Lobos win that one, obviously they would get the sweep, but keeping themselves in position for a top spot. More importantly than anything else, right now, as we head towards the stretch run of the Mountain West season. Everybody wants that first-round buy, and the Lobos keeping themselves in good position for that. With the win, UNM also improving to 12-0 on the season when they lead going into the fourth quarter, and 15-0 when they score at least 60 points. 60 is not
1: that many. I mean, like, so yeah. But it's a credit to I, the it, defense. It, it is a credit to the defense, and, and like, if, if all they got to do is score 60 or more to win, uh, then... I, I like their chances, Sam. Hopefully it continues. Uh, we'll see on Saturday when they play literally one of the, the top 30 or 35 teams in the country in UNLV. They uh, UNLV went to Arizona and, and whacked Arizona. Uh, I mean, this UNLV team is really solid, and that was such a great win for the Lobos. And I, I have a feeling we'll see UNLV Women's best come Saturday afternoon. Looking forward to that.
0: To your point, there is a net rankings for women's basketball as well. UNLV sitting number 29 today.
1: Sitting 29 today. All right. So uh, what else is going on, Sammy? All
0: right. Well, speaking of basketball, Jerry Jones used the phrase hanging around the rim five times wait, in one wait, quote. Wait.
1: Five times he uses a basketball analogy when describing his Dallas Cowboy Football Club,
0: not just the not just a basketball analogy. The same analogy of hanging around the rim five times in one quote when talking about the Cowboys' regular season success not translating over to the playoffs. Jerry Jones down in Mobile, Alabama, getting ready for the Senior Bowl, representing the Cowboys at eighty something years old in Mobile, Alabama. But he's down there, and reporters talking to Jerry. The context of the quote was centered around Jerry making it clear that there's no doubt in his mind that he and Bill Belichick can work together, none, while still acknowledging what Mike McCarthy has done to this point as the Cowboys head coach. I thought we made a pretty good move four years ago when we hired Mike McCarthy, and he's had some great in-season success. Now, he's come up short three times and advanced us in the playoffs, but I like the fact that he's hanging around the rim, and I like what the team has done to hang around the rim. So I think what the answer that I would have is that I'm aware that we're hanging around the rim. We're not getting the ball in, but when you're hanging around the rim, let's don't discount hanging around the rim when we are right now with the players we got, and I'm thinking about it from the whole look.
1: Okay, so what I'm thinking about is I've been around basketball a lot of years, many decades. You sure have. Okay, and I don't know... If I've ever heard the term, I mean, like hanging around the rim, I, I like. I mean, the ball is hanging on the rim, but hanging around the rim makes no sense whatsoever. To use it five times, I mean, he could have he could have come up with a, a bunch of. Uh, I, we've, I guess- we've had a lot of shots go in and out. Uh, yeah. We need those shots to fall. That's probably
0: what it is. You know, the shot hits hanging the rim. Hanging around
1: the rim, like what you you want your guys to to all kind of just get in the lane and and hang around. I, I've never heard "hanging around the rim" used before until now, and I heard it five times in the last minute and a half. Okay. It's roll,
0: yeah, it rolls around the rim and then it pops back out. Uh, yeah, I guess it. I guess it wouldn't hang around.
1: It would either no, hang yeah, on or roll well, around. Like the team. What do you want the team to be hanging around? I mean, hanging around the rim makes like zero Me sense. Micah
0: Parsons to- there to try to tip it in. Whatever.
1: All right. Like yeah. Just uh, who's out, Sammy?
0: All right. Well, speaking of the Cowboys, the latest on Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, who is seemingly in the head coaching cycle for this year, although that window is getting thinner and thinner after some news that came down earlier today but the sense is still growing that by the time we come back after the weekend and come back for Monday's show that Dan Quinn is going to be a coach somewhere. This report this morning from David Moore, Cowboys beat reporter for the Dallas Morning News. Dan Quinn would be happy to return to Dallas but if either Seattle or Washington offer him the opportunity to be a head coach he's expected to leave several people with knowledge of Dan Quinn's thinking said. Now with that being said One of those jobs is now out the window because the Seattle Seahawks made the move to hire Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, now the youngest head coach in the NFL at 36 years old. So that means Washington, one way or another, going to stick with another defensive coach. Move on from Ron Rivera. Right now, the top two guys for the commanders seem to be Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn and Detroit Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. This was a report. This was Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network earlier today.
1: Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. Obviously, there was so many ties to Seattle. He was there helped build the Legion of Boom. And one thing I think we all have learned here is the sort of groupthink favorite is generally not what's going to happen. So I think a lot of people assume going in Dan Quinn was just going to get handed the Seattle job. Meanwhile, Mike McDonald, the Ravens defensive coordinator, pretty quickly emerged there as a really strong candidate. Dan Quinn seems to be a really strong candidate In Washington, after impressive interviews there, so it's like, well, we all think we know at the beginning, is not always what we know.
0: No, but I still think Dan Quinn thought that he was just going to get one of those jobs after the season (laughs)
1: ended. Here, you know, you quoted David Moore from the Dallas Morning News saying Dan Quinn would be happy to return to Dallas whatever do you think cowboy fans are like jumping up and down about okay well uh, you know he, he if he doesn't get this he's happy to come back a lot of people were like don't let the door hit you and you know what after the last game where the packers scored touchdowns on six of their first seven drives i mean um i i don't know uh, like there was like discussions even before he was going to leave to be a head coach that people were second guessing him. So with this much time elapsing, I know it's at a season and these guys do their own thing this time of year. But you know that there is like at least one, two, three guys that Jerry Jones has on speed dial that if something goes down, so Quinn's it's either the Washington jobber or he's going to be the defensive coordinator for Dallas. It's out. It, it, and I, I
0: and, and I'll say this. If he comes back, I'd be pretty happy with it. If nothing else, just from the standpoint of, you could do a lot worse.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. That, 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 that's kind of what my position is when people talk about Dak. I mean, I'm telling you, like these people that are like... Not of... exactly a position of strength, but at the very
0: least, you could do a lot you worse. You could do a
1: lot worse, and you would retain that continuity, and by the time they all get together out there in Oxnard like nobody will even remember that Dan Quinn was a candidate for a head coaching job all right uh anything else out yep this we might as well call this one
0: quotables today but there's been a lot of good ones moving on here with who is out just a fantastic quote from Philadelphia Eagles center Jason Kelsey who by the way is not retired yet after the Eagles lost that wild card round game to Tampa he was in the stands, he was hugging his family, there were immediately reports that he was going to retire, well, it hasn't happened yet, and he is the starting center for the NFC Pro Bowl team. Now, Jason Kelsey, not too thrilled about that, he's in Orlando for the Pro Bowl, and had this to say about being in the Pro Bowl, quote, I don't even know what you do in the Pro Bowl anymore, but it's down in Orlando, so I get to take my kids to Walt Disney World, and not off the Super Bowl. Walt Disney World, but as long as Wyatt gets to meet Elsa, I don't think it really matters.
1: And does it really matter who plays set? When you're playing flag football, do you need a guy Jason Kelsey's size to be playing like flag football? So I think he needs to show up in his champion sweats with no shirt on and just replicate the scene that we had in In Buffalo Buffalo and take his kids to... Walt Disney World. He called it Walt Disney. I can't World.
0: remember the last time I ever heard anybody call it Walt <laughs> Disney World. It's like when. It's like when when my dad, he would always have this the story where when 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 I guess it was called then Walt Disney World right. when it first opened. They had this whole thing where if you were the first person there, that you got some lifetime pass. And he came close. Now he had a lot of stories like that that I think were fish tales. <laughs> but that's when it was Walt Disney World.
1: Yeah, uh, and like. You know, nowadays, everything's being compressed. Like, if, if we're, we just want Disney. chicken for lunch, I don't say, Hey, Sam, do you want me to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and pick... You know, it's KFC. It's not Walt Disney World. It's... It's, it's really just it's, Disney. It's it, Actually, it's Disney Orlando, Disney Anaheim. And there you go. There you go. All right. Uh, what else there, Sammy? Four. What's four. number four? four?
0: Four. All right. Let's talk some Mountain West basketball. We had... Four games last night, Utah State winning by 21 on the home floor over San Jose State, 82-61. Great Asubor was just that for the Aggies last night. 31 points and 7 boards to lead Utah State. His second 30-point game in Mountain West play already this year. So no matter what happens tonight, Utah State will end the night still in sole possession of first place. In the Mountain West, they still need one more team to beat them for the Lobos to be there. Utah State, one loss. UNM with two. But great Osabor putting on a show. And this was one of the other observations that we've made in the last couple of weeks. What these guys have done when they came to the pit versus what they do just about every other night, it has certainly been diminishing great Osabor going back to being great Osabor.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, I and let me just tell you that that scene in Logan there. I mean, I noticed Boise uh, place holds twelve thousand. Their last three, uh, four home games, they're getting eleven thousand plus. I mean, they get great crowds there in Logan. Uh, CSU, unbelievable crowd against San Diego. It's good to see there's other teams in this league that are drawing great, great crowds for their home games. All right, what else there Sammy? All right, Colorado State goes just about wire to wire on the home
0: floor much to my surprise against San Diego State, but this was really a gotta have it game for Colorado State and they got it. Rams win 79-71. They held a double digit lead on multiple occasion uh multiple occasions. The Aztecs lead for a whopping 26 seconds in the entire game, so it wasn't quite wire to wire, but pretty win- much. <laughs> Big win for Colorado State. They get back on track on track after that gut punch against Wyoming over the weekend. San Diego State falls to five and three in league play. They lost three league games all of last year. They went eighteen and three counting the Mountain West tournament. They already got three losses now.
1: You want to see? You want to know another team that's just like I had to do a double take? How about the old Nevada Wolfpack sitting at 3 and 4 yeah, so they far? They had that
0: three-game losing streak. Yeah,
1: they're like in the bottom 4 in the Mountain West right now. How things can change so quickly. What else, Sammy?
0: Well, this isn't anything new, but they put another one on display last night. Colorado State is the Oregon Ducks of the Mountain West. I don't know how many different uniforms that team has.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I I don't know. You know, it's a lot. You, it's a lot, but why not? No, you have got not those judging. unique colors. I guess you you switch it up and let everybody know you have unique colors and unique uniforms. Last night it was like Denver and Broncos. You're, you're bringing United. up stuff about CSU. You're not even talking about the the the, the, the basketball court itself. Oh, I love that compared, one. You
0: love that. I one. love that one in Moby with the with the ram horns yeah, that meet yeah. at center so court. yeah. So you
1: hate San Jose State, but you love. Colorado State.
0: I do because, I mean, it, it's it's subtle. It
1: blends in at
0: least a little bit better. That one is it's just unique. a shade of blue that it, they're throwing through the TV into your eyeballs at San Jose. All right, what else, All I mean? right, Wyoming staying hot. They pick up their first road win of the season at Air Force, 83-72. to Wyoming entered last night 0-7 away from the arena auditorium, but last night they had three different guys drop 20 points, including career high nights from both Brendan Wenzel and Mason Walters.
1: Yeah, and I'm saying to myself, how did Air Force lose? They shot 50% from the field, uh, about 37% from behind the three-point line, and pretty good offensive performance. But I look into this, and it kind of reminds me of uh, the game where New Mexico whipped them, despite the fact that Air Force was shooting the ball well. Normally, if Air Force is shooting the high percentage, man, they're they're right there with you. Well, Wyoming had you know a, a double digit lead most of the game, kind of like the Lobos had a double digit uh, lead. And the difference is New Mexico figured out a way to score on that Air Force defense, shooting a high percentage, and that's exactly what Wyoming did last night. Wyoming shoots fifty six percent from the field. And 63% from behind the three-point line. So, you know, that's where it was, is that Air Force is, is not getting the job done on defense, uh, you know, in losing these games when, you know, they, uh, they're they shooting the ball well, but they can't stop anybody. All right, who's uh? what's going on? Uh, any, anything else? Yeah, one other game last
0: night, UNLV taking care of business at home. They beat Fresno State 78-69. We've been talking about him for so long. I had I, I had to go look and see just how far back this struggle to put it We're nicely goes State with Fresno head, State, head Coach. With Justin Hudson, the head coach. First year at Fresno State 2018-19, 13 and five in conference. you 5 we got our guy. This is gonna be Former great.
1: Former assistant to Bill uh uh Steve Fisher at um, San Diego State, part of the being the guru at San Diego State for those great defenses. First year 13 and five. How's he done since, Sammy? Since then,
0: thirty-two and forty-nine in league play. Seventeen games under five hundred.
1: Yeah. Uh, man, uh, can't be too happy. And then, you know, there's there's nobody really coming to the games at Fresno. I will tell you this, Sam, there was a time when Jerry Tarkanian was coaching at Fresno State. There were a lot of comparisons uh were drawn between like what was going on in Fresno and what was going on here in the pit. And it's completely fallen off the map under Justin Hudson uh after that first year. What else, Sammy? All right,
0: yep, standalone game tonight for the Lobos again tonight 8:30 Fox Sports 1. If you're not able to go, it is on Fox Sports 1 tonight. Lobos hosting Boise State, the number 1 scoring offense in the Mountain West versus the number 1 scoring defense in the Mountain West, who doesn't love a something's got to give game?
1: Well, something's got to give, but I keep saying, Sam, I, I don't know like if Boise has much of a choice than playing at that pace as poorly as they've been shooting the ball. Uh, you can't get up and down when other teams are shooting way better than you are. The Lobos are way better shooters, uh, or not shooters, but have shot it better, so it's dangerous for Boise to get up and down because, quite frankly, they're not making enough Shots. What is number three? By the way, since we went through some uh, college scores, I know a couple of big games last night. We usually talk some high school. I know that Hope had a big win at Valley. Uh, I know I was at the game. El Dorado gets by Farmington in overtime. And then the Mustangs at West Mesa, amongst other games, they took care of Piedra Vista. So uh, some finals in the high schools as well. What's number three, Sammy?
0: Three.
1: Three. Banner Night for
0: APS. All right, NFL insider Diana Rossini wrote a long-form piece for The Athletic, formerly of ESPN, if that name sounds familiar. She was with ESPN for a long time. This was her first season now writing for The Athletic. Wrote a really well-told story about the internal crumbling that happened with the New York Jets after Aaron Rodgers' Achilles injury four plays into the season. Some of the snippets from that story... Coach is concerned about offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, how little urgency he showed in trying to fix some of the mistakes going back to the very beginning of training camp. Head coach Robert Sala behind closed doors ticked off at how much negative coverage the Jets were getting when people say a lot less mean things about the Giants, like you didn't know you signed up for that. Publicly, Robert Sala would avoid criticizing Zach Wilson, but behind closed doors, told people that eight wins with Zach Wilson at quarterback would be a quote-unquote miracle. But the real juice in all this comes with that relationship as well between Robert Sala and Zach Wilson. Late in the year when Zach Wilson gets benched, told he might come back into the starting lineup again and was reluctant to do so. Word gets out about that, and it sends Robert Sala into this tailspin to the point where two days later, he... He had a meeting with the staff trying to figure out. He's asking, guys, are you the leaker? Are you the leaker? If you come forward now, you won't get in trouble. (laughs) That sounds like a kindergarten teacher talking to the class. Go ahead. He told them while threatening to take their cell phones, staffers were bemused by Sol's obsession with the Wilson story and his reaction to it.
1: And nowadays... a. kindergarten teachers probably telling the kids you know we'll take your cell phones if you don't pay attention right surprise it is 2024 Sam okay so uh now you've got every coach that is you know clearing their text history and all of the people they've talked to when they go into every meeting because coach Sala might say give me your phone young man give me your phone all right uh, anything else? Well, Sammy? every
0: time I hear stories like this, it always reminds me of a different time in football, a different paranoia, time, a
1: little paranoia,
0: a different time for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, it's it's funny. To, like if you're a Chiefs fan, you can kind of laugh about this now because you're going to your fourth Super Bowl in five years. Not always the case there for Kansas City. Two of the most famous alumni in the history of the University of North Florida. You, Sam Hauser, okay, and former Kansas City Chiefs coach Todd Haley. <laughs> former Steelers assistant, but former Chiefs coach Todd Haley. Just before he gets fired in 2012, he does this piece with the Kansas City Star, and nobody knew he was going to get fired, and certainly the people with the newspaper didn't know what gold that they were about to get. But he's going on and on about how he uh, he thinks his cell phone is bugged, he thinks there are wires all throughout the the, the throughout the walkway, throughout the, his his office. He thinks that place is bugged because everybody's watching and listening to everything he says. So he goes, he runs up and down the hallway. He checks a couple of things. He pushes up a ceiling tile. Checks and he, the
1: bathroom stalls. And then
0: he comes back in and does the interview.
1: <laughs> like I said. For
0: no reason, but
1: he was just paranoid that... that Chief, that the Chiefs front office was, was spying on okay, him. Okay, so the, the Chiefs obviously denied that they've ever done this sort of thing, right?
0: Yes and no, because the Chiefs, oh? th- they put out an official team statement denying it, only to have then-team president Mark Donovan go on the record saying, I'm not going to say we've never done it, but it's not something we do, but I'm not going to say we've never done it. <laughs> you, so Todd I- Haley was right. Goodness gracious, all right. And that's the same team that's now going to its fourth Super Bowl in five years.
1: Yeah, they probably have ring there when when the players enter the locker room. and Oh my goodness, cameras all over them, I guess. Uh, That's why we always
0: say, before you get to the schemes and who you're going to draft and who you're going to sign and what plays you're going to run, this all gets sorted out before the season kicks off, depending on what kind of kooks you have in your front office or if you have, you know, some stability there, and not people who are thinking
1: that they're being watched all the time. But like you said, everything is working. Everything's out Everything's fine good. for them now. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. All right, maybe Todd Haley wasn't uh, the right fit, even though he went to North Florida University. There, uh, the other famous alumni, in, <laughs> other than Sam Hauser, and I'm not talking about the NBA Sam Hauser either. What's number two, two Sam? Two, number Although we're going to have two. him on our airways about 24 hours from now.
0: We got Lakers-Celtics tomorrow with the. Sam Hauser, of the Boston Celtics. Well, another story that I encourage everyone to go check out because we always love to follow his story around here, and still trying to continue that dream of making it in the NBA. Friday, two days from or now, continuing Friday. to Conti- make it well, in the continuing to make it at the at the top of the NBA, at the very least. And that ten-year plateau is kind of like how that is defined, which we're going to get to here in a second. Kay. Friday, two days from now, Friday becomes a crucial day in the life of Tony Snell who is playing this year for the Celtics G League team. He's not on the NBA roster, he's on the G League roster, and that matters because according to a story from Yahoo Sports NBA reporter Jake Fisher, Snell would need the Celtics, or in theory another team, to get him on their NBA roster by Friday for this season to count as his 10th year of NBA service, and that matters because 10 years is the cutoff, to get into the NBA uh, National Basketball Players Association's retiree benefits program with an extra level of a of an insurance plan that would cover his entire family not just him
1: so uh- Quite a career for Tony. Pull up Tony's information here because I I know uh, that you know we we know he got drafted in the first round by the Bulls. Yep. I know he played for the Pistons, the Bucks, the Hawks. He's playing for the Celtics now. Any other in between there, Sammy?
0: Yeah, uh, two years with the Trailblazers. Uh, twenty twenty two is with the Pelicans, and now he's with the main Celtics.
1: Yeah, uh, how about that? And.
0: Uh, Paid made over fifty million dollars in his career, so I mean he he's he's made a good life for himself for somebody. I, and
1: I was in a certain circle when he decided that he wasn't going to come back and that he was going to go train for the NBA uh, draft and all this. Everybody, well, I shouldn't say everybody. I heard very few people saying, "Dude, he's a, a surefire." you know, $50 million player in the NBA. Lottery
0: pick and all that, right? Right.
1: He was not a lottery pick. No, but I'm playing a lot. Right. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, So, like, yeah, they were like, he's going to be way better off coming back and playing another year of college basketball to hone his skills on this, that, or the other. He rolled the dice, and he was confident in himself, and because of his high character and the, like, the length that he had and his willingness to play defense – He stayed in the league 10 years, and he's made a lot of money. And um, Tony Stel, he's like kind of a a, – I should not even say Kind of. He's a very quiet guy. You'd see him all the time walking to practice from Lobo Village back and forth. And, you know, just real, real humble kid. um, Very spiritual kid. And he uh, had the makeup that, uh, obviously, a a lot of NBA um, teams liked. Okay. Uh, So uh, anything else on the top five? Uh, Yeah, Uh, go ahead. Number one. Yeah, Yeah, I'd say that's uh, another thing.
0: Big news today for the PGA Tour, reaching a deal with Strategic Sports Group made up of billionaire team owners from the NBA, from Major League Baseball, infusing up to $3 billion for a new for-profit entity, PGA Tour Enterprises. Basically, all this is to try to keep up with what Liv is doing because there are still golfers that are going from PGA Tour to Liv and this whole thing a couple of years ago where Jay Monahan says, well, we're a not-for-profit, so we have no chance of keeping up with what they're going to be able to do financially. Well, now you got this group coming in made up of five team owners that are going to infuse $1.5 billion up front with the possibility of another bill and a half coming later down the road.
1: So we have a number of... Like, professional sports teams, like, kick it into the PGA to help this whole thing, right? Yeah, so uh, just going over the list here, you have Arthur Blank,
0: the owner of the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. You have John Henry, the owner of the Boston Red Sox. You have the owner of the Milwaukee Brewers, which, I well, it's kind of interesting because Rob is. Manford's been banging on his door to <laughs> put some money into Miller Park and have some, or it's not called Miller Park, but no, to upgrade the stadium, but he's in on this. You got the owner of the Celtics, and... If there's a project going on that can put you in the spotlight,
1: Mets owner Steve Cohen wants to be a part of it. That's right. All right. So uh, I tell you, they got off to a bad start in the release that they sent out about all these new people and these teams. They... They spelled John Rom's name, first name, J O H N Rahm. Saw that. Not good. Uh, and then his team is called Legion 13, and they listed him as Legion 12. So, you know, like when they're messing up New Mexico and New Mexico State, that's not the only thing that's getting messed that's up right. there. All right. Nice job on top five there, Sammy. <laughs>
0: That's tonight's Hinkle Law Offices Top 5. Hinkle Law Offices representing motorcycle riders across New Mexico since 1990. Visit HinkleLawOffices.com.